0: Gentlemen, and welcome to Cult Cinema Catacombs, uh, and red, and welcome to our final entry in the inspired by cocaine section of uh, this show. And boy, did we save the most cocaine-y for last.
1: Well, I I think that this one not only is inspired by co- cocaine, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's chronicled that it was inspired by cocaine. Oh yeah, like. Like I think even the director of this film has gone on record being like, I was on a dump truck full of China White when I made this movie. Like,
0: and that director being Stephen King.
1: Um, oh yes. Oh yes. Yeah
0: he yeah he admitted that he that basically the amount of cocaine that he was on in this movie would have made Tony Matoya be shameful uh, <laughs> that
1: he didn't have that so, much cocaine available to him. Like like the entire. The entire crew, from what I understand, the cast sort of behaved themselves. With the exception of Emilio Estevez. Yeah. The crew was drunk all the time. And Stephen King was coked out of his mind throughout the creation of this like the entire filming yeah. of this thing, which was in Italy. Because <laughs> why not? La, it was it was De La that made it. Yeah, he produced like, it. He uh, produced the film it and he produced it out of Italy because it's so much cheaper. yeah. So the, I think fair warning and full disclosure we should say that we've both seen this film. Yes. Uh, the film we're talking about is maximum
0: overdrive uh, by Stephen King. and uh, yeah, we've both seen this. in fact, I remember going to see this movie when it was originally released uh, in the theaters back in 1986. And what made me go see it was because of the fact that it was the directorial debut of Stephen King. And this, this was peak Stephen King at this point, before the renaissance that we're currently having with Stephen King. I mean, he was hot shit at this point. And it's, it's very notorious to know that Stephen King is not really fond of a lot of his film adaptations. So he, <laughs> said, he, said, he said, fine, I'm
1: going to direct one. This was the result. <laughs> um so I think uh, okay so we can say a lot. First of all, I haven't seen this movie probably in 22 or 23 years. Oh yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen this one too. But I as so many of the films that we've watched that I I know of, right? The ones that I've seen at least. Mm-hmm. Um and and so much of what has informed my um kind of tastes when it comes to films. Um this was what we would this is this and if you remember from the JCU days, I don't even know if you were around then, this Red Dawn (laughs) blob um were movies that we would watch over the holidays (laughs) when I was a kid. (laughs) Which version of the blob, the original or the remake? Oh, the, well, the, the 86 remake, we watched the original too, but the 86 remake, oh, anything John Carpenter was in that mix. So, you know, the thing or the fog from the the fog might've been my, the first movie that I remember actually seeing, um, you know, those, that was my, that's what I came up with. That was my father's taste in film, which is translated directly into me. Um, I think we talked about that a little bit on robot jocks. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I haven't seen it in such a long time that I'm really curious to go back in. And then, you know, I, I said I was good. You know, we 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 talk a little bit off mic, and and you know, we were getting set up to record. And um, Roy's like, "Have you watched the trailer?" And I said, "You know what? No, I'm 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 real good." And then I was like, mm, "Maybe I should watch it." Oh shit! Yes, everybody should stop what they're doing right now. <laughs> And go watch this trailer. It's amazing. Well, you can
0: clearly tell in the trailer that he was high on cocaine. I mean, <laughs> down to the wandering eyeball at one point, which is so blaring when you look at it. And I was like, I don't remember Stephen King having a lazy eye. And he's got, got this intense stare going on at one point, And then you see the eyeball start drifting towards the bridge of his nose. And I'm going. Is that happening voluntarily or involuntarily?
1: What's happening here? I fully expected him to just because it opens up and it's got. And I forget the name of the truck, but it's the Green Goblin truck. That's what. Yeah, the Green Goblin truck. Yeah, and it's and I remember as a child, like, of course, being a, a you know a huge comic book fan that I am, that I was absolutely drawn to the Green Goblin truck, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, it starts with a, a, a you know a shadow like like. Uh, uh, backlit Stephen King in front of the Green Goblin truck and then it resolves into Stephen King standing there and he just starts talking and I expect I, at any given time the next line out of Stephen King's mouth which could be this is a commercial for um, for a 12 step cocaine abuse <laughs> program or a commercial uh, applauding the use of cocaine really you decide this is for you to decide. I'm just making a commercial for it. Figure it out. Like, it's nuts. There's a period in the trailer where he points at the camera. He's like, I'm going to scare the hell out of you. And I'm like, Are we sure this isn't like a Nick Kroll bit.
0: <laughs> and, and what makes it even more hilarious for me is the music that he's using in the trailer is the theme to Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. So we have him talking about how he's going to scare us while he's high on cocaine with Yardley Smith screaming, what's happening?
1: All to the music from Halloween 3. Poor Yardley Yardley Smith, Yardley Smith, that poor woman. Um, So she does multiple podcast appearances because she's got her own podcast, which I don't normally talk about podcasts that have nothing to do with. Film, but she does a true crime broadcast. It's actually pretty phenomenal if you want to look it up. Um, but she's done multiple appearances, and a, the question inevitably comes up let's talk about Maximum Overdrive, because it's become a legendary cult film. So nobody legendary. wants to talk about her wanting to have her period character from Billie Jean. <laughs> well, they do a little bit. They do a little bit, right? Um, but I, I mean, this film is so legendary for not the film itself oh, but no. the legend around the creation of the film Oh yeah because I, th- I think we should make it very clear that this
0: movie was a huge bomb not only with critics but with audiences I currently on the Rotten Tomato Score it has a 17% and audiences that were surveyed from the cinema score gave the movie a D+. So it's not notorious because of it being this, you know, great horror film. It's notorious for a lot of other reasons. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um it's well, and yearly, you know, she was young, she was not by her recollection and by everything that I've heard, she was not a fan of the of the drug and alcohol scene. So she's pl- she's playing it sober while all these like rapscallions and Italian, you know, uh, spaghetti western extras are sw- swarming around her drunk and high. The, you know, there's a scene in the film where a truck comes through the wall of the diner mm-hmm. or a car. I guess it's a car. Um, And she that was her in that scene. They made her do that scene. Poor girl. In one take. <laughs> that was her. And then she goes on to be the Simpsons. <laughs> You know, it's it's funny, you know, we could talk about that, but, you know, so what, what made you choose this film as a cult film? Because it's, it, for me, it borders mainstream only because there aren't a lot of cult films that you can turn on TBS and it can be running, Mm. you know? So what made this one jump out at you? want to do
0: this one what what made this one jump out to me was a couple of things one because i couldn't believe it became a cult film that's that's the truth yeah because i remember like i said i have not seen this movie since 1986 so i'm curious to see this again um especially through the eyes of an adult i remember as a kid thinking this movie was a pile of shit uh so i'm curious to see it on that aspect i was shocked to hear that it has a cult following in fact A few years ago at the Alamo Drafthouse here, when they showed Maximum Overdrive, it sold out. And I'm going, why? This movie's horrible. Why did this movie sell out? And then the movie was reissued on Blu-ray as part of the Vestron video collection that they're currently doing. And it was a bestseller. And I'm sitting here and I'm going, why? Why? Why is this thing a bestseller? Why Why is there a cult following around this? So mainly it's looking at it to see and get the answer to why. Why has this suddenly become a cult film? Because I'm confused. Because I, like I said, I remember this movie just being a big pile of shit.
1: Well, I loved
0: I loved it. But
1: I loved it because it's a big pile of shit. Right? Like, like if you're going to go for it, go for it. Like... <laughs> And and so, But we should talk about, like, okay, so Stephen King directs this thing. It's his directorial debut.
0: And also like, his last time ever directing anything. Um, in fact, he was uh, <laughs> recently quoted. Um, I, I, I can't remember what source it was. I want to say bloody disgusting. I don't know. But uh, he was asked why he hasn't directed a movie since Maximum Overdrive, and his response was just watch Maximum Overdrive.
1: Right. Right, but and one of the things I love in the trailer was he just comes in super hot on anybody who's adapted his work. <laughs> yes, and you well, all suck. Maybe you give Kubrick a break. <laughs> he is Stanley Up and Kubrick after all.
0: <laughs> give Kubrick a break. Give Give De Palma a break. Okay, maybe Cujo, but you know, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Yeah, and the thing is, is he's like, he's like bashing all the directors. And I'm like,
1: but you worked with Romero and you're bashing him too. I mean, right. you worked. Like, with. You'll get a phone call from George. You, you'll get a
0: phone call from George. You're Stephen. bashing John Carpenter who directed Christine for you. You, right. know I mean? you know, and I'm like, okay, wow.
1: That's the cocaine talking. <laughs> Part of the reason that this became, and we should run through like the actors that are in it because there are. It really has a a stellar cast of like, like would be B actors, with the
0: exception of like Emilio Estevez. Mm -hmm. Well, first and foremost, we have to point out the. I mean, the biggest star of this movie, which is the soundtrack. Um, Oh yeah, um, Stephen. King chose ACDC to do the soundtrack to this movie. And um, literally every song you hear in this movie is from ACDC. And it's not like music that has been recorded before by them or anything. No, they compiled an entire album worth of music for Maximum Overdrive. Now, that I know became a hit. Because yeah. it's AC/DC. You know, it's new music from AC/DC, But... Yeah, when it comes to the rest of the cast, we've got uh, we got Emilio Estevez, we've got Pat Hingle, uh, who would go on to be in the Batman movies, uh, right? <laughs> um, right. Yeah, we have uh, Yulee Smith, who would go on to not only be Lisa Simpson, but also star in the uh, short-lived Fox series Herman's Head.
1: Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know? It's yearly Smith is arguably the most famous person in the, or the most successful person in this film.
0: Yeah. Um, God, who else is in this movie? Um, there's, oh, there's Laura Harrington. Who, right. Who, uh, went on to, uh, I mean, prior to this, she was in the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, but her biggest movie after this is probably what's eating Gilbert grape.
2: And she was
1: a devil's advocate. Yeah, she was also in that too. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a pretty big one. I mean, it's not Gilbert Grape. Gilbert yeah. Grape was a hit, and yeah. she and she followed it also up with Polly, the talking parrot. Damn uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, if it makes you feel any better, she was in Cop Rock. Yeah, that's true. That's a. We should do an episode <laughs> of <on> Cop Rock.
0: <laughs> for the love of God! Just for the love of God, Cop Rock. Um, let's see here. We also had um, uh, uh, Ellen McEldiff, um, who also starred in uh, JFK, and she was also uh, a a regular on the television series Oz. She played Eleanor O'Connor on Oz, and she was also on Homicide for a while.
1: We haven't talked about the fact that Giancarlo, uh, 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 Esposito's in this, (laughs) who is Gus. (laughs) From the Breaking Bad TV series, yes. Come on, come on. <laughs> Do you need another reason to watch this thing?
0: <laughs> I mean, it's quite the cast, it really is. And, um, you know, front and center, you have um, Emilio Estevez, who is very cocained out in this film. But I, 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 I rewatched the trailer and Looking at the trailer, I'm looking forward to Pat Hingle's performance. Because the scene where he's standing there with the rocket launcher... I'm like, okay, this could be interesting. Uh, For those who are not familiar with the plot of
1: Maximum Overdrive... um, Thank, I'm, I'm grateful to you continue your life unabashedly living. <laughs> um
0: the plot is about it's based on a short story that Stephen King wrote called trucks and it's about some weird rogue comet right that passes the earth and and makes all inanimate
1: machines go sentient what um, if, what if it was night of the comet? <laughs> But with cars. But with cars,
0: yeah. Cars come to life. ATMs come to life. Um, um, we've got a scene and- in this movie where a person dies, and it's it's death by grenade launched Coke can out of a Coke machine. Oh, there's there's definitely a toaster death. Yes. <laughs> there's. I mean, it's ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. And even even the tagline for the movie was "Imagine your worst nightmare: machines take over the world." And I'm like, oh, Terminator. and <laughs> <laughs> But it's not. Here's the best thing about this, is that when this film originally came out, it was pushed as being this hardcore scary film by Mr. Right. Stephen King himself. Today, the movie is now classified as a horror science fiction comedy. Yeah. <laughs> and I
1: think uh, it suffered. For, if it was billed that way from jump, if it wasn't for King's ego and he could look at this thing and say, all right, let's remark it, you know, as we push and and, and say it's got comedy aspects to it, mm-hmm. you know, I think it would have done better. It probably would have. I would've. really do. But no, this because, was pushed as a serious horror film. Because there are moments in the script that are funny. It's not all, you know, and here's the here's another thing that I really think it is. It has the formulaic structure of a group of people trapped, you know, of becoming a becoming a paranoid. The worst, you know, the the worst monster is man, you know, it or not it like um like the thing style. Everybody's trapped in one place and can't leave because mm. something's hunting them, you know. So they have to, but that's not what happens. No. <laughs> Which might be another reason it becomes a cult classic, because it has all the earmarks of being a really, really good movie that just falls completely
0: apart. Well, there was even an episode of The Simpsons that was inspired by this movie. Um, It came out in 1999, so it's 20 years old this year. The episode's called Maximum Homer Drive, and it's about uh, Homer Simpson who takes over truck driver's delivery to find out that his truck is being controlled by an onboard computer. And I wonder how Lee Smith felt about this episode, uh, knowing that it referenced Maximum Overdrive, because, I mean, as you mentioned with her being on the par- podcast,
1: she's greatly embarrassed by this movie. I think that she's A, greatly embarrassed, but B, I think it's almost a troll two moment for her, where she's kind of embraced the embarrassment in the in the sense that you know, she has come out and said that no matter how out of his gourd Stephen King was, he was actually very, very lovely to her. Mm-hmm. You know, he was very nice to her. The cast was all very nice to her. They were insane, but they were very nice to her, you know. And um, and she, I think that she's kind of embraced the idea that while this was a 100 a percent shit show, that that 100 percent shit show. Probably got her The Simpsons. <laughs> uh, possibly. Yeah.
0: Now, the most interesting piece of trivia, though, that I found about this film <laughs> has to do with Pat Hingle's character. Okay. It originally was not going to be played by Pat Hingle. And upon reading who was originally supposed to play this role, dear God, I wish he was cast in this film. It was originally going to be Gary Busey.
1: Shit. Damn it.
0: <laughs> Could you imagine Gary Busey
1: versus sentient trucks? <laughs> I would I would can you imagine Emilio Estevez and Gary Busey directed by Stephen King out of his mind on cocaine fighting trucks?
0: Ah, so are you, oh, uh, here's another um, tidbit that I I did not know this. Oh my God. Emilio Estevez was not Stephen King's first choice for this film. Oh no, come on with it. Bruce Springsteen. What? Yeah, he wanted Bruce Springsteen to play the lead role that what? Emilio Estevez is playing in Maximum Overdrive. What? <laughs> Could you imagine a movie with Bruce Springsteen, Yardley Smith, and Gary Busey versus Sentient Trucks directed oh by high-on-cocaine Stephen King? In, in-
1: and here's the other thing, right, to keep in mind when you watch this film. 90% of the crew from the DP down to the gaffers were Italian and spoke no English. Yeah. So it's Stephen King out of his mind on Coke, a translator, and the crew, which is drunk all the time and 100% Italian. Like, and what I mean is, they don't speak English. So there's a translator that's translating drunk Italian into high Stephen King language. And then back. Yeah. All while being helicoptered by uh, De La Laurentiis. <laughs>
0: and I, was, I would ask if this is our first De Laurentiis movie, but no. The the Apple was uh, produced by... It was, no, the Apple was not produced by De Laurentiis. But, but was ju- The Apple. No, that was Golden Globus. But we have done a De Laurentiis movie already
1: on this show, haven't we? We have. What and this? I think it wasn't it uh, Rock and Rule. Didn't Rock and Rule have something to do with De Laurentiis, or am I thinking of a, a, a different one?
0: I can't remember. I'm going to look up De Laurentiis right now here while we're discussing this. Okay, the De La, okay, so D E G, the De Laurentiis Entertainment Group. Um, yeah, I can't remember what film it was that we've. Touched on already,
1: but I think one of the movies was we did a De Laurentiis movie. Yeah, one hundred percent. I wish I could remember what it is. Um,
0: this, there's probably listeners right now screaming at us what it was. Oh, it was Amityville like, 3D. Am. It was Amityville it 3D. Was.
1: Yes, what That's,
0: was it? Amityville 3D was De
1: Laurentiis. That's right. That's right. You are correct. <laughs> yes. Which explains so much. Because because that scene where she dies on the boat, that definitely could be in this movie. Uh, Damn it. All right.
0: Well, are we ready to dive into... let's do it. Are we ready to dive into this mountain of cocaine? Yes, let's swim in it like Scrooge McDuck. (laughs) Alrighty, so we are going to now go off and watch Maximum Overdrive for the first time in God knows how many years, and we'll be back with our reaction.
2: Hi. My name is Stephen King. I've written several motion pictures, but I want to tell you about a movie called Maximum Overdrive, which is the first one I've directed. Wow. dickens going on around here a lot of people have directed stephen king novels and stories and i finally decided if you want something done right you ought to do it yourself
0: <laughs> who was driving it i don't know it's coming after us!
2: it was my first picture as a director and you know something i sort of enjoyed it I just wanted someone to do Stephen King right. You want a war? You got one. I just want to get the hell out of here. So come and spend some time with me and my friends at the Dixie Boy. <laughs> spend some time in the dark.
1: Please
0: don't leave okay. me in the dark. Help me!
2: I'm gonna scare the hell out of you. <laughs> That's a promise. You're going to get us in an awful lot of trouble, man. We already in trouble. Maximum Terror.
0: Ah, Jesus coming
1: and he is. Maximum King. Maybe tomorrow will be our world again. Dino De Laurentiis presents Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive.
0: So that happened. Mm, that's how
1: I feel right now. <laughs>
0: um, so I mentioned towards the beginning of this episode, I the main reason why I picked this one is not only because of our theme of inspired by cocaine, uh, but I wanted to see why this had developed a cult following. And I kind of see why with some aspects. But I get it. I, I mean, I, I can understand because of just how uh, ineptly made the movie is.
1: It's incredibly bad. Um, That's why. Yeah. It's incredible, and you know, I've read now reports where there, where it's like, oh, well, it was supposed to be. No, it was never supposed to be bad. Oh no, you it cannot was t- just incredibly bad. No, because I'm like
0: I'm sitting there and I'm watching this film, and then I realize. 20 minutes after the movie had begun, Stephen King apparently forgot he was directing a horror film because all of the horror and gore and all that stuff came to an abrupt screeching halt and replaced by all these people at a gas station being terrorized by these trucks that apparently decide to have a rodeo hoedown.
1: Uh I have so many... Okay, I have... So many questions, but let's just work through it. It's Night of the Comet, but yeah. with cars. With, yeah, and, and other machineries. Um, anything that anything apparently that's a machine. It's God. It's so God. I hate you. I hate you for ruining. You know, a lot of people say that 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 you know, blah blah blah, blah ruined my childhood. This movie, watching this movie again, ruined my childhood. <laughs> but, The movie itself didn't ruin my childhood, but watching it again, Mm -hmm. because I remember it being good. And if I would have just left well enough alone, it would have been good in my mind. I had to go rewatch it, and it was not good. Thank you. I hate it. No, (laughs) sir. I had one
0: distinct memory come back to me while watching this movie, and that memory was I realized that this movie was the reason why... I stopped listening to heavy metal and hard rock in the '80s because I associated heavy metal and hard rock with maximum overdrive. And I mean poor, poor ACDC. I mean, not, not only did they have the task of having to do the score for this movie, but they also had like their greatest hits raped in this film and placed in in scenes where it didn't make sense to have their songs in oh, place. Like, for those about to rock, we salute you, is happening don't,
1: during don't, the sewer escape scene. Don't. No, <laughs> was <laughs> that happening? What? Okay, 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 okay. Real quick. Machines become sentient somehow. The story does not take place anywhere except for Wilmington, North Carolina at a place called... The, what was it? Dixie at the Dixie boy, the Dixie boy truck stop is the (laughs) only place where it takes place. Now I want to say this had all of the earmarks of being good. Stephen King, it had all the earmarks of being the mist Mm -hmm. and all the earmarks of being, you know, tense, terse. It could have done it. It really could have done it. Everything was there. They just didn't execute any of it. Any of it to the point where at one point the um Ali Sheedy character, <laughs>
0: um, the Ali Sheedy, non Ali Sheedy character
1: says, yeah. <laughs> I'm camera, going to Florida, looks dead down the barrel of the camera and goes, This maximum overdrive, and I'm like, Oh, what? <laughs> what?
0: Stop it. Oh, there was. Stop it. There was no dimension to anyone's acting in this movie. Everyone was one dimensional. Everyone was completely one dimensional. Um, And you could clearly tell that Emil Estevez was drunk and high the entire time. Especially the scene where after he and Ali Sheedy Light have sex. And he's wiping the sweat off of her brow and licking it. I'm going, that's an acting choice. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well <laughs> he made a lot of those <laughs> my okay so uh, they get uh, they get um sequestered in this thing by an army of big rig trucks and various other machinery um I know we're going to talk more about some of the performances so we won't now but what it comes down to is they remember that there's a sewer pipe that leads <laughs> out so you know, they escape through the sewer pipe to freedom. They almost get away until they're snuck up on by a truck.
2: <laughs> 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 <Assault>.
1: <laughs> uh, but then they get away. Yeah, didn't they get away? And Lee Smith yells something about throwing up, and that's the last line of the movie. <laughs> um,
0: you know what? Now that you've me- now that you've mentioned
1: her, let's get her out of the way. Um, she was trying. If there- I'm going to give her that. <laughs> she worked really hard on this film. If there is
0: one like glimmer, if there's if there's like one diamond in the turd, it is Yearly Smith. Even though her character is one dimensional as well, she was cracking me up. And and the reason she was cracking me up is because here you've got this screaming foul-mouthed, I guess she's from North Carolina, I mean her accent was questionable. But I think
1: she was coming south to north because they had just gotten married Mm -hmm. something her and biff hamburgler just got
0: (laughs) (laughs) but i mean the scene where she's trapped in the car after they get hit by the trucks and they're trying to get her out and she's cussing up a storm all i hear is lisa simpson going fuck get me fuck shit that it's like lisa simpson suddenly gets tourette's yeah. And I'm laughing so hard at that point. And I'm going, Wow, you better be glad you got the Simpsons after this because <laughs> I mean this is a this was a career killer of a movie. It really was.
1: Well, I, you know, I think that we can look at this and say, Oh, voice work now. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it was but it was something. There was
0: there was even even the scenes where the tension was supposed to be scary. Like, I mean, the first major oh fuck moment in the movie is when the bridge over the river goes sentient and decides to lift up on its own to the point yeah. you know to the point where it causes that massive accident that happened. That honestly, in real life, a situation like that is terrifying. But then you've got scenes where an obvious mannequin is being thrown out of a yeah. car window. Yeah, that happens. And you get a person who basically death by watermelon. And <laughs> it's hard to take that scene seriously, especially since you have the two workers coming out who are redneck beyond redneck. And one of them yells at the other, God dang, dirty George, pay attention to this! And that's exactly how they talk in that scene. It's you can't take it seriously. You can't be scared by that because it's like it's 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 all of a sudden just choices. The movie and you just can't
1: or not yeah or just not. There's no not tension. It,
0: it kills all the tension. I, it's and, and I mean there was some what like, tension.
1: The movie <laughs> opens with Stephen King playing the part of uh, God. Now I lost it. Um, well, the, guy, the guy from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I can't remember his name. <laughs> Hunter S. Thompson? Yeah, or? playing Hunter S. Thompson, trying to get money out. The, uh,
0: the ATM calling at least, him an asshole, yeah. At
1: least Chekhov's ATM was right, because he is an asshole, <laughs> and he's an asshole throughout this entire movie, behind the camera, not in front of it.
0: Hey, honey, can you get over here, Hunter, oh, thugs? This thing right. just called me an asshole!
1: He should never do an,
0: a southern accent, ever Again, <laughs> he should never do
1: anything ever again.
0: <laughs> um, God, I mean, what were some other mo-oh, death by soda vending machine. Okay,
1: wait, 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 wait. So, yes, death by soda vending machine, right? Yeah, uh, go ahead and explain how that happened. I need to follow that up.
0: Okay, so, um, it's at a little league game, and um, the coach decides he's thirsty. So he goes to get himself a can of Coke. And he goes to the machine. He puts the, the money in. Nothing happens. He looks down at the dispensing hole and suddenly out launches a can into his crotch. And he goes, oh, and it's like, wah, wah, Yeah, and the kids are laughing at this also. And then he gets hit in the gut with another can, and that makes the kids laugh. And then it launches a can of Coke so hard that... When it hits him in the head, it cracks his skull open. And the kids at that point are like, oh, shit. And they start scattering as they're being pelted by cans. Except for Hero Kid, who just happens to be the catcher. Okay, okay. I got to, yeah, right. And he puts on the
2: the mask. I'm
0: going to protect myself by putting on this catcher's mask. And see if guy who has his brain oozing out is still alive. So, okay.
1: I gotta talk about this kit. I gotta talk about this part, right? So here's what happens. Stephen King, in all his coked out glory, goes to the Stephen King well. Right, mm-hmm. it says it's not good. What am I? What am I good at? What am I missing here? Oh, that's right. I'm missing torturing a child as an allegory for um for puberty. Uh, <laughs> can I have him have sex with another child? No, I did that in it. What am I gonna do here? I'm gonna show him every scene of death possible. Way more, by the way. Way more than any adult at the at the truck stop. Like this kid sees people get run over by lawnmowers, get drug off into the bushes, sees people, you know, get run over by trucks, he's getting chased by trucks, he's on a bike, he you know, this what this kid's going through because Stephen King can't leave kids alone.
0: No. I'm still trying to figure out during that scene when he's going down in his neighborhood and seeing the carnage that's going on yeah. in his neighborhood. The one death that I don't get out of all of those, like I, I can understand, you know, like the person whose ears exploded with the Walkman and the person run over by the. Um, I mean, I understand it. Yeah, I mean, and you know, the lawnmower and everything. There's actually two deaths I don't get. Okay. One, the woman that's hanging out of the window that has her um, alarm clock. Wrapped around her neck. Yeah, no, that makes no sense. I'm like, so did the clock jump up and wrap around her neck and choke her to death? How is that even possible? But the one that's making me go, what in the ever actual fuck happened here? Is the corpse of the dog laying on the ground with the toy police car shoved in its mouth.
1: Right. Right. What is that? I, I want to know the story behind that. I want to know how that happened. So the one, so there's one that I want to talk. There's there's a there's a thing. Okay, so the the just general assumption, the assumptive nature is that, and if we're willingly to suspend, suspend our disbelief. I'm willing to believe that these things come to life and have some level of sentience and are hunting humans. Yeah. Right. Okay. okay. Well, at one well, that. at
0: one point we have that fast food machi- uh, drive-through speaker shouting out at the trucks: "Humans are here! Humans are here! Humans are here!" So yeah. Right,
1: and then the kid, the same kid, shoots it with it. This is the most okay. There's, there's like <laughs> that the was the Banff kids. moment of the movie. <laughs> there's the three scenes in this movie, right, that are really like. Uh, not only are they WTF moments, but they're also like just so overacted that it's like come on guys like this scene the kid op- this kid is what 12, 13, something like that, mm-hmm. opens up with a damn Uzi on a drive-thru window, <laughs> and then takes the uh takes the Uzi off, hands it to Emilio Estevez, and goes, I don't I don't need this anymore. I'm done. Like what? (laughs) Kind of dumb ass. What?
0: That was his commando moment. Basically. Yeah, That was
1: his one commando moment. Also, the kid was integral to figuring out that they wanted to be quote unquote fed, which is the only reason the kid was in the entire thing. Um, but there's a scene where he's fleeing to the gap, to the truck stop. Okay. In one of the scenes where he's fleeing to the truck stop, um, He's riding across an open field, and we hear... Oh, yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We hear the sound of an airplane, okay? (laughs) And then it cuts to the inside of a cockpit, and you hear Ride of the Valkyries inside the cockpit.
0: Very apocalypse now, yeah.
1: But wait, but wait. (laughs) It is very apocalypse now, okay? So the kid turns around and sees the plane... We still hear, a, we still hear right of the Valkyries. The plane's coming over the ridge um, and he starts riding on his bike. And then you cut again to the plane far out, right? The, the plane is far away. Yeah. The, as the plane gets closer, it starts like at a far shot. And in that far shot, right of the Valkyries is playing, but it's, it's quiet. It's in the distance. But as the plane approaches, <laughs> it gets louder and then gets quieter again when the plane goes away, which begs the goddamn question, Roy. <laughs> not only is the plane sentient, but does the has the plane seen apocalypse now, Roy?
2: <laughs>
1: is this the plane's joke?
0: I think. Dude, who knows? I mean. I, I would say go ask Stephen King, but he has very wow. little memory of making this movie because I, cocaine. Stephen King. <laughs> that, that, that's one of those moments where you're like, yeah, cocaine is a hell of a drug. It
1: really is. The joke is, you know, the, the joke's on us. And, and Apocalypse Now, you know, uh, Flight of the Valkyries is playing, and he's going to dive-bomb this kid and I love the smell of napalm in the morning, ha ha ha. And then it cuts away and it's all quiet then it gets loud and quiet again. I'm like, wait, is the plane playing Apocalypse Now? It's Flight uh, of the Valkyries? And if it is, does that mean that it's meta to the point where it's seen the movie that, uh, that we've seen? Has How does that work? How do they hear? Drugs. <laughs> That's the answer. Drugs. How do they hear people? That's what I want to know. Well, why didn't anybody grab the 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 machine gun cart and just turn the machine gun away from them?
0: Well, you know they did that when they did that running thing, and they all of a sudden, after putting the grenade on it, decided to play spin the bottle and with man, it. That. <laughs> okay.
1: That scene. That scene. The scene before that scene, I have to talk about. Because it made me really mad. It's okay. okay. Emilio Estevez. So they get this message. The, 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 the machine gun cart is parked out front. And it's beeping its horn. And by this point, uh, Platoon Kid has made it <laughs> through the sewer pipe and into the thing.
0: I um, got a merit badge on Moore's code and
1: communication. It's Moore's code. Yeah, so the kid is deciphering the Morse code. The, 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 so, first of all, the thing can communicate in our language, okay? That's, also, it can hear people. Okay. <laughs> Dumb. Um, but, so he deciphers from the Morse code that what they want is to be fed. And by fed, they mean put gas in them. Yes. Dumb. Um, so, Emilio Estevez has his hero moment of this whole thing, where the rest of the time, he doesn't really have a hero. Nobody has one. Nobody has one. Besides maybe the waitress, which I'm going to let you (laughs) know. She was the damn hero of the movie, if you want my opinion. Um, so... Emilio Estevez, they figure out that they need to be fed, and then there's this moment where Emilio Estevez, you know, kind of decides he's going to give them gas to, to protect everybody, right? While he's hatching his diabolical escape plan, which is literally nothing. Um, so he goes out bright and early in the morning, and he's like, going to be a long day. <laughs> and then he pumps gas for eight hours and passes out. What is that? That's dumb. like I'm so exhausted I can't put this pipe I can't fight no more forever, I, I, I can't put this pipe into the ground and I've got to pass out. He was pumping gas for trucks. Well, you that's know his that's his job.
0: Well, maybe he was having uh, uh, maybe maybe he was having the uh, DTS at that point on set. <laughs> yeah, you know, that maybe was the reason
1: was why. Sake. Maybe his dumbass was dope sick on set. I don't know, <laughs> but I'm telling you right now, eight hours of pumping gas does not give you the level of exhaustion that he felt. That's somebody's job. That's just a job that someone has. That you were you an asshole and decide that you're going to, you know, I can't even stand up. I've got to be, I've got to be um, doted upon by Ali Sheedy. Well, I tell you my fever dream story about what's going on in the universe. Dumb. Dumb. It made me so mad. I hate it. I hate it.
0: (laughs) Oh, man.
1: Talk to me about
0: this waitress. Okay, so I'm trying to get the waitress's name here. The actress who played her. Hold on one second. Um, so there is a plethora of people who are, um, in this diner, who who are trapped in this diner? One of them is the uh, Ali Sheedy s character, who also came here um, because of um, the Lothario's Bible salesman that yeah. she's hitchhiking with. Get your with. hand off my leg! or you going to come back with a hook <laughs> hand? <laughs> um, so the actress Wanda June. I mean the, the 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 character's name is Wanda June, and she's played by actress uh, Ellen uh, McElduff. And she makes, quite possibly, the most greatest what-the-fuck acting choice in this entire film. Um, She... And it's hard to believe that she's went on to do some other great stuff like Oz and Homicide and stuff. She... (laughs) Snaps and... Well, you'd snap too if you're forced to act in this film. Right? <laughs> and she can't imagine why this is happening because
1: she, as she says, "We made them." She said, w- "You know, we." She didn't say we made them. This is after she got attacked by a floating electric turkey
0: knife. Oh yeah, yeah. She yeah. The uh, the electric knife opened up on her arm. And then also attacked her foot and you know the <laughs> one of the patrons in the diners like, Oh, did the but food food knife attack you You know, and she's <laughs> teased about it. And so she just finally And st- she's bleeding. It's like it's like a massive wound on her arm. Oh yeah. It's like, burr, 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 burr. <laughs> it's like Dawn of the Dead level gore going on here. It really <laughs> is. Um so she finally just has enough, and she goes charging out of the diner with a twice, shat.
1: By the way, twice she does. Yes, this.
0: but the first time is the glorious one uh, because she's got a shat- She's got a shattered whiskey bottle. I'm like, yeah, that's gonna fight You're off gonna the trucks,
1: like Roadhouse.
0: <laughs> and she like spreads her arms out and screams. You can't do this. We made
2: you.
1: And I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be really honest. <laughs> what you just did was underacting <laughs> in comparison to what she. And I'm not. I'm not exaggerating. One hundred percent underacting in comparison to what she did. <laughs> she just goes
0: full on to the point where. Immediately after she's done, you expect John Lovitz to come on the screen and go acting. Right, you're 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 waiting for that to happen, and then she does it again. And boy, she, she probably has the most memorable death scene in this movie uh, because of of her doing it again. But this time in her like death nail, she sends a statement towards Miller High Life beer because she. He has, he, she's dying after being shot down. Launches a a rocket, a missile, or the missile launcher, and she launches the rocket at the Miller Life truck. And out of all the trucks in the movie that have been blown up, this one gets the slowest, most dramatic explosion in the <laughs> entire film. And it even has like this epic sad music. Like, oh, it's the day Miller Life died.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I wonder how anyone feels that was associated with um, advertising in this movie.
0: (laughs) I'm trying to figure out how they got away. I mean, I'm sure the story's got to be out there, but I'm really trying to figure out how they got away with using the Green Goblin's face from Spider-Man for that toy truck. Because, I mean, they never directly referenced to him as being the Green Goblin or anything. But if anybody was old enough to remember the Spider-Man comic books at that time, that was what Green Goblin looked oh, yeah. like. And so I'm trying to figure out how they got away with that.
1: I think they just did it. Well, I, I'm sure that there was a real, you know, I'm sure they got away with it by getting away with it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm sure they got away with it just by, um, just by paying Marvel for it. Why you chose that one is another super coked out, moment, you know, that doesn't ma- really make any sense. What also doesn't make any sense is
0: the fact that, I mean, it's it's made obvious that this is the leader truck out of all the trucks, but for some reason, they give the truck an acting choice of making the Green Goblin eyes glow red for no reason.
1: Right, because it's supposed to emote something, I think. <laughs> Like I think that's what we're getting at is that it's supposed to be emoting like, like emotion, like literally, like it's supposed to be like showing you something, you know, like and it just isn't. It's bad. It's just bad. You know,
0: John Carpenter did a better job of having a car emote emotion in Christine than Stephen King did in this movie. Oh my God! What are another questionable acting choice in this movie is Pat Hingle. Now, I, I will say after watching this movie, I really wish they would have cast Gary Busey in this role because oh, Dabney Coleman uh, or oh, oh, Dabney Coleman, Coleman, Coleman <laughs> give me Dabney Coleman. Because I mean, Pat Hingle's character, who I, I called mushmouth, because half the time I'm like going you need subtitles what i mean no one's that southern
1: come over here i got it was as if he survived the end of roadhouse when the polar bear gun fell on him and made it to north carolina yeah and he it's like
0: he had this ego from hell because he owned a truck stop I'm like, oh, good for you, buddy. That's the pinnacle of your life, right there. Be an asshole to everybody because you own a truck stop. <laughs> that gives you the right to be a bully towards everybody. And I, I, the, the, I literally, you you nailed it with his accent in the movie the whole entire time. It's it's well, it sounds like like nibbler in the background, except with a lower pitch. That's the voice that. <laughs> No, it's one hundred percent accurate. Um, it
1: just—it makes me so mad. Like did, everything, everything, every choice was like everybody was acting in a different movie, and then they just moved them onto set for one day. That's what it felt like, <laughs> and then let them go back to making their other movies. Yeah, like that's what it one hundred percent felt like to me.
0: But the biggest... I mean, so much what-the-fuckery is going on in this movie. And I'm like... I'm I'm sitting there, and I'm just slack-jawed at everything that I'm witnessing. And, I mean, like I said, I hadn't seen this movie since it came out in the theater, so I don't remember how it ended. So I did not remember the ending coda about... The nuclear
1: missiles in space. Oh yeah, the laser uh, and the nuclear missiles in space. Yeah,
0: I'm like, where the fuck did that come from? It's like it just, it's like it was soon discovered that a laser shot a a Russian nuclear missile in outer space. Oh, by the way, six days later, the comet left and everything went
1: back to normal. And everything's great. So like,
2: <laughs> I'm like, what?
1: God, I can't even. I can't even talk about this movie anymore. <laughs> like, it made me so angry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I could definitely, I can, I can kind of see why this has a cult following because one, the ineptness; two, Yearly Smith; and three, this is something that has to be seen to believe, and it is a great exercise of how not to make a movie, um, especially when you think you can make a movie because you think you can do better than anybody else. Let this movie be a cautionary tale about how that type of mentality is a folly on your life.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I 100% agree with that. That is accurate because this movie should not exist. Um... (laughs) and it, it it more than more than just shouldn't exist somebody should have stepped in and said um what are you doing like why why is this happening um you you what are these like like he had to send this back was he given full carte blanche to do whatever he wanted like w- were there no dailies Coming from... I got a feeling that De Laurentiis gave him carte blanche. I
0: mean, it really it really does feel like that because it seems like no matter what he came up with, it was put on the screen. It really does feel that way. Like, I want to have an explosion here. Okay, there's your explosion. I, 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 I want to have... Um, when this guy's hit by a truck, he explodes like he's filled with juicy fruit. Okay, well there you go. That happens. I, there, I gotta say, for some of the gore moments when the when the trucks were hitting the people, I want to know how much fruit punch they filled in the dummies that were hit because it honestly looked like a Gallagher concert uh, whenever right. they got hit by the semi trucks. Um, but yeah, I, I think he probably had total. It looks like he did have total creative control, which is
1: that's a Shame. Mm-hmm.
0: That's but, a real shame. But here is the most what-the-fuck part about this entire film. Okay. There's a remake. Really? Yep. It, it was a direct-to-home video, then it went to the Sci-Fi Channel remake in 1997, simply called Trucks, uh, which, is, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. which okay. is based more directly on the Stephen King short story, uh, starring Timothy Busfield. It didn't do any better. <laughs> so. But it was on TV. It was so... on TV, yeah. It, it, uh, well, actually, it was first released to VHS and DVD by Trimark Pictures. Then it was released on the TV. Um, instead of shooting it in Italy, this time it happened in Winnipeg, uh, a TV guide gave the movie two out of four stars, saying the film is all premise but no plot. A problem made worse by the clumsy addition of extraordinary gory sequences. Okay. (laughs) So basically what this is saying is is that this is a film, I mean a story by Stephen King that has no point being made into a film at all.
1: Well, I agree with that. (laughs) I agree with that.
0: 100%.
1: (sighs) So we can now
0: leave behind the films inspired by cocaine and move on. Um, and we're going to move on to um, a much better film <laughs> than Maximum Overdrive. Um, it's summer. Um, it's, it's summertime. Uh, Andrew, when you were growing up, did you, uh, as a kid, did you ever go to summer camp at all? Oh, I was too busy watching Maximum E and Overdrive <laughs> and thinking it was good) <laughs> Yes. Well, I mean, su- yes, I did go to summer camp. Thank you very much. So, I mean, summer camp has been fodder for a lot of films out there. Either it be a horror or comedy or drama or whatever. It's a great place to you know to have a story. And sure. so, um, our next film is set at summer camp. And what's interesting about this movie is is that I actually personally know one of the cast members of this film. Okay. Um, The movie was released uh, in 1987. Uh, It really didn't get much of a theatrical release. It kind of pretty much went straight to home video, but it did get a limited theatrical release. This was one of those films where you saw the poster uh, inside a blockbuster video or family video or whatever, and the title plus also the... um, the, the the poster art made you intrigued to pick it up and watch it. Uh, it was based on a novel written by William Butler and the screenplay was written by Penelope Spheris, so it's got some clout there. The film okay. is the film is called Summer Camp Nightmare. Okay. Um and the person that I know who stars in this film is Samantha Newark, aka Jem oh. Jerrica from Gem and the Holograms. Okay. Um she she has a uh, she has a very pivotal role in this film. Uh I and it also stars Chuck Connors. Really? Yes. <laughs> so we so we have Chuck Connors and Samantha Newark, and <laughs> that's quite a combo right there. Yeah,
1: it is. It's set, you're you're setting you're, you're setting it up there. <laughs>
0: Um, this film is very hard to find, actually, because it's never been released to DVD. Uh, it's, okay. it's only went as far as VHS. Uh, there are copies of it out there, and I did find a copy that someone graciously uploaded to YouTube, thank God, uh, so that we, that way we can watch it. I kind of wish this one was on DVD, because, I mean, you'll see. it. I think it deserves a bigger audience, and th- think of this movie as antidote to... <laughs> everything that we went through with the cocaine stuff Plus,
1: the problem the problem with the movie that we just watched right is that i had such so when i was a kid it was you know it was red dawn it was maximum overdrive it was the blob it was, which by the way, the Blob uh, re-release from Shout Factory looks amazing.
0: I'm so um, glad that's finally coming out on Blu-ray because I personally love the Blob remake. I just it's watched, so good. I, it's so good. I, I just recently re-watched it not too long ago and it has definitely held up. Um, so I'm very happy to see that it's getting a restoration and everything else. You know, it was movies like that and
1: I remember almost to a one them being amazing. Mm-hmm. Now... I've since watched Red Dawn, which is still good. It's a camp classic, uh, definitely. I mean, it, it's, it, it, it's 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 fun. It's well, it's got all of the it's got all of the earmarks you need from a movie, which you know this one didn't. <laughs> but I, I <laughs> it definitely got all the earmarks from an from an
0: '80s like fear of Russia taking over oh, yeah. America oh, yeah. movie that it needed. I mean, it was pure '80s right there.
1: Well, it, everything about it is just if you if you ever want to love the 80s, that's the movie to watch. But, you know, all of those movies still hold up, I guess is what I'm saying, for the yeah. most part, at least for nostalgia's sake. So I assumed in my, you know, weakened 80s state that Maxim Overdrive <laughs> was going to do the same. And I'm just like, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, there's no chemistry there's no character arc. Mm-mm. There's no stakes. The stakes are nothing. Do you know how many people get run over by a truck that literally needs to go 20 feet in front of them to hit somebody? <laughs> a dead stop. Off. The truck is off at a dead stop, has to start and then accelerate fast enough to hurt someone. <laughs> and the people die by this often. And my favorite thing is, uh, I do want to say one more thing about the movie. My favorite part is at the end, probably about five minutes, you know, at the pre climax, um, the trucks throw a goddamn tantrum. Yeah. It's so great. It's just like, meh. So I was like, what is, this? why, why is this movie? Why I, is this movie? I don't, I don't have, have
0: any gas, meh. <laughs> All right, I'm done talking about it. Uh, I will post a link to uh, the YouTube uh, print of Slumber Camp. I mean, a Summer Camp Nightmare for everybody to watch. So that way, you get a chance to see this. It is definitely a film worth uh, going to see. I will. The the one thing I will let you know about it right now is, despite what the poster art looked like for it, and despite the title, it's not a horror film. Um, it, it's it's more kind of I, I would say in the lines of Lord of the Flies than your typical horror summer camp movie from the 80s but it's definitely one worth watching so uh, check out the Facebook page uh, for the link to uh, summer camp nightmare so that way you can get a chance to watch it I also posted on Twitter as well if you're not following us on Twitter it is um, at these films exist and one other little announcement as well I have submitted the first of panels for us for all con 2020 yeah. Uh we're doing a two part one on Canon Pictures. One will be Yes. One will be actually recording an episode where we discuss Canon Pictures. And then there's going to be a video tribute that I'm calling Canon fodder. Yeah. Uh, so um so yes, stuff is already starting to shape up for us at um, the uh, at the Ocon 2020. So more details as that gets closer for that as well.
1: Nice. Let's, yes, I'm good with that.
0: Alright, so um, until next time, talk to y'all later and uh, beware of flying Coke cans in the air. They may crack your skull open.
2: Stupid. That's what <laughs> dumb. Talk to y'all later. <laughs>